Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. I've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that will help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Ray Doherty, and he is a Yowie researcher and used to be a very, very prolific uh, UFO investigator back in the day. Ray, welcome to the show. G'day, Kate. How are you? Thanks for having me. Mate, it's great to have you on. I uh, We've been trying to tee this up for the longest time. I think you might, may have been one of the first people I ever contacted when I first started this podcast about a year and a half ago. And the stars just never aligned for us to, to line up for a chat, but I'm very happy. It's happened, mate. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely happy as well that we've finally been able to do it after about, about a year and a half of trying. Um, this is the problem when one's a daytime person like you are and I'm a night shift uh, vampire, so to speak, that uh, only comes out at night. So <laughs> it's been very hard to line it up, that's for sure. Well, mate, I, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the chat tonight because you have had some of the most incredible Yowie encounters uh and some fantastic ufo um investigation results but um i guess my my first question for you would be is what actually got you into the ufo field and i guess was that a massive rabbit hole that you can kind of just get lost in oh i think that's putting it very mildly (laughs) um i think it's a black hole that you can go down and and few escape from um certainly what happened what, what got me in i mean i always had an interest in the paranormal, shall we say. Uh, growing up in my house, we had uh, a couple of relatives pass away in our house. We're an Irish, fa- Irish Catholic family, and 
back in the old days, we all lived in the same house. And we had a, a grandfather and a great aunt pass away. And from that point, things always happened in my house that you just simply, after a period of time, got used to. And my mum was into the whole psychic tarot cards, tea reading. And so it was always, always around me. And um, I always had an interest um, in, I guess, science fiction and uh, then from that it sort of expanded out to other things. When I was a kid, I used to sit out the front veranda at my house and my grandfather used to say to me, he said, if you look at the sky long enough, eventually you'll see something you can't explain. And I always had an interest. And then, of course, what happened uh, back in 1991, 1991 from memory, uh, I saw a UFO. And... It blew me, it blew me away, and from that point on, I sort of am a, cu a very curious person by nature. So I just wanted to try and get to the bottom of it. And like I said, it's a like you said, it's a rabbit hole if you go down that that can uh, be all-consuming and it can be very taxing, but by the same token, very rewarding because if you if you do the work and you have an open mind and you certainly put yourself out there and give yourself the opportunity uh, in the field to have experiences, you'll certainly have them. Absolutely, mate. And that's that's one of the things that a lot of people probably don't realize is if you go searching for something and you find it, there's there's no going back from that. No, no. Once some, the, old, the old expression, some things just sort of can't be unseen. And when you see one of these craft, just like the hours, when you see one, you just... There's just no, there's no real going back from it, and it presents people. When my experience, people give you one of two types of reactions, and this is down to experiences as well. Whether it's UFO or Yowies, is that they'll, they'll have one or two reactions. One, they'll be in total deniability. Uh, they'll struggle to process what they've seen, and they will basically completely drop their bundle and just not want anything to do with it almost to the point of forgetting that it even happened. On the other hand, what it can also do is really trigger that spark of curiosity and wanting to know more. And it can, as someone described once, it can be really a <clears throat> bit of a golden door of enlightenment, but you've got to decide to go through that door in the first place. And if you do, you've got to tread carefully because, as I said, as you said, that if you don't, you can certainly be consumed by it 24-7, which nearly happened to me at certain stages as well. Oh, really? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. I mean, not just me, but people I worked with and people I got to know, and uh, it still happens to people today, you know, people that certainly get, still get into these fields, especially, especially if it's based off an experience. Uh, you want to know more. Uh, you have this just driving quest for knowledge and that you... You, or you become addicted to it and you could become addicted to the experiences and you become addicted to the culture and to, to the subculture of it as well it's very very hard to stop um, and live a normal life once you know what's really what, what things are really really out there in the world because the average person has no idea and they, I think a lot of them don't want to know and they certainly don't believe it if you told them no, not at all. And I, I get a lot of people who kind of give me little remarks of like, oh, you don't believe the people that come on your podcast, do you? And it's kind of like, well, actually, yeah, I do because 
one, they don't really have a, any any point to, to lie to me. And, and two, I kind of vet them as well as I can before I let anyone on the show because, um, you know, I, there, there is a standard to the stories that I, I want people to, to share with the public because absolutely, it's, um, it's all about getting someone's message out there or someone's experience out there that may help someone else. And I just don't, I just don't want to let randoms on the show to, to come on here and, and tell fibs for the sake of, you know, having a laugh and saying, hey, I got on that podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, realistically trying to, trying to weed out the genuine experiences from, you know, people that want attention or want to make something up because they thought it would be funny is, it can, can be, is very time consuming. But, when you when you speak to a genuine experiencer, whether it be UFOs, paranormal, or Yowies, um, it's a very very powerful moment when you see the look in their eyes and hear the trembling in their voice, or to hear the excitement in their voice yep. from what they've what they've seen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this first UFO encounter that got you hooked on on the on the UFO field. Was there anything in the in your findings through your research that kind of made you just 100% believe that this potentially could be out of world or do you have more of a uh, a down to earth type of mindset that that UFOs may be something from earth well <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a contradiction because when it comes to UFOs I I have one opinion but when it comes to the Yowie work I'm extremely grounded in science and but with the UFO work um, that I used to do, uh, it is very hard to, st- to, you know, because look, back then in the 90s, we didn't have any like the equipment that we have now. We didn't have handheld infrared cameras or FLIRs or things like that. That was the stuff the military had. The average person couldn't get a hold of that stuff. Um, but that first encounter, when I saw it, there was no mistaking what it was. There was no mistaking what I saw. It was too big. It was too clear. It was... The whole event was... Um, there was no mistaking it. Are you able to tell me a little bit more about that first encounter? Because it sounds like it, it was quite an impressive one to leave such a mark on you. I, I Look, even it was... Um, well, 1990, 1991, that's when it happened. And 91, yeah, no, I was pretty sure it was 91. It was December 1991, early December. And it was a Sunday night. And I remember, I can't remember the exact date, but it was a Sunday night. And I was with my uh, girlfriend slash fiance at the time. We had, were coming back from her sister's house. We had a house at Wilston in Newmarket. And we were coming back from her sister's house at Brookfield. <clears throat> and... We were coming along, we, we just turned out of the Swan Street in Newmarket, heading up towards on Newmarket Road, coming up to Wilston Road. Now, in those days, flying in from the north, they would, the, the flight path of, of, of aircraft would come in from the north and sort of over that northern area, and then it would sort of turn left towards the airport. Uh, and and you, you know, you'd see planes come through that area all the time. But this was around, this was at midnight. And there was back then, the last domestic flights usually came in around 10, 10.30. Uh, unlike tonight, you know, these days they come in at midnight and whatever and whatnot. And 
they um, <coughs> they certainly uh, stood out as as aircraft. And we're coming along, and as we approach it, because of the road goes up high and then dips down and goes back up high again, you can see uh, these. I saw these lights coming in from the north along that almost like that flight path. And I thought to myself, and I, I said to my partner at the time, I said, that's unusual. There shouldn't be flight planes at this time of night. And she said, oh, it's probably just a plane. And sort of, we were sort of on this intersecting course. And when I saw it got closer, I said, that, that's, uh, we saw two lights. There was no nav lights, no headlights. There was just two lights. And as it got closer, there was, I, I mean, I, I still even today find it very hard to believe I saw what I saw. And the, the long and the short of it is, is that there was a disc. It was a, a disc that was monstrously huge in proportion. And again, people are going to find this hard to believe. I still have to pinch myself that it happened that it was above, the sort of was paralleling the train line, the Newmarket train line from Wilston Station towards uh, Newmarket Station. And I effectively saw what looked like a giant disc that was, in my estimation, 150, 200 metres in diameter. Oh, wow, that's huge. And it had lights underneath it. I could see, like, windows and lights. Um, I couldn't see anything in it. And it had, uh, it was, I couldn't see the top of it, but the bottom of it was like a concave shape. And then it had, um, like, uh, like almost like a three black bands above it on the, on the top, which was, which looked flat. And then you had the concave down the bottom, down to the point, And the lights were from the bottom concave point pointing up over the, the sort of the saucer section. And, I could not believe what we saw. We sort of stopped dead in the middle of the road, and this thing was just moving silently. It was fairly low. It was only, I would even say, two, three hundred feet off the ground. Wow, that's it, so it was, close. It was crazy, and my partner started freaking out. She was saying, "Like, what the what the f is that? What is that? That's 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 not an aircraft." And I said. And I'm, you know, expletives everywhere from both sides. And because we were just, I'm just getting goosebumps talking about it even now. <clears throat> and then it, we, we, we headed up Newmarket Road uh, very, very slowly. But we got, I got a crystal clear look at it. And there was no denying what it was. And then it's sitting around about 150, 200 feet, maybe a little bit higher. And then it comes to a stop. And I said, and she goes, where are you going? I said, we've got to have a look at this. And as we approached it, and it was probably you know, 150, 200 metres ahead of it, as we approached it, it, suddenly this wind, just this wind picked up everywhere, right? Just, it just picked up everywhere, just, just like almost cyclonic wind for a, for a brief, for about a, a 50, 60 metre period. And then we got up right up underneath it in the car, and it was... I got it. I stopped, and I had. And she, I got out of the car, and before I got the car, she said, "What the hell are you doing?" And I said, "I have to have a look at this thing. I just have to have a look at it." But 
the interesting thing was what happened is when I got out from underneath it, it was like it was like instantly there was no sound. There was no wind. There was no sound. Like you're in a vacuum. Yes. And she was screaming at me and I couldn't hear her. And I'm screaming at her and she couldn't hear me. Oh wow. I could see her I could see her mouth going, but I couldn't hear a word. And this thing went right over the top and it had settled above a place called Finsbury Park. And it just was sitting above that Finsbury Park. And as it moved off, slowly I could start to hear sound come back and then that wind, that really, really strong wind. And then I got back in the car and then I looked at her and, and she's off like off a chain and I'm just, I'm, I don't know what to think, I'm just blowing away. And then I looked back over towards it and it's gone. That's incredible. That's an absolutely amazing experience there, Ray. And that was the first time I saw one. I uh, I do not blame you for being taken hook, line, and sinker down the uh, the UFO rabbit hole after that because I think anyone would be with an experience like that. Well, it was back in 1991. And everything, the, Brisbane was a much different place then. And it, it um, how could I put it? Um, you know, to say you saw an object that big over a suburb, not in a North Brisbane, in the suburb, in the suburbs, was sort of just was was sort of just absolutely, um, yep, was absolutely mind blowing, uh, and it was you met with instant skepticism, of course, except from those who already believed, and then over the years, then you know, in other cities around the world, you're seeing sightings of large craft um, in cities, uh, over cities, in the suburbs of cities. So then I started to feel a little bit more normal as time went on. But I never really told many people about it because the interesting thing what happened is the next day I woke up fully energised. I said, man, I've got to to speak to somebody about this. I've got to tell them what I saw. I rang the Air Force. No, we don't, we don't, got nothing to do with us and... I got sent over to Amberley and then I got shoved around from phone to phone to phone and then eventually I got one bloke who just laughed at me and said, no, no, we got nothing was on the radar. You just, you know, you must have been having a few too many drinks. Oh, how frustrating. But the interesting thing is my girlfriend at the time had zero memory of it. Really? That is weird. The next morning she had, she goes, I don't know what, she said, we saw a plane. We didn't see anything else. I said, what are, you, are you kidding me? She goes, I said, don't you remember me stopping and having a look and we couldn't hear each other? I, I remembered everything perfectly. And she said, no, we just drove home. We saw a, a, a aircraft that was flying very low and then we came home. Do you think that she's making that up because she just cannot comprehend what she saw? And now a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? 
You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Well, to be honest, things between us at that time weren't that great. And um, I don't know whether she wanted to, didn't want to fan my fire or, or what, but certainly at the time, I, I, I believe that she seemed genuine to me that, um, that she didn't remember it at all. It, it would be incredibly spooky if that was the case because that that kind of just adds this whole other layer of weirdness to that whole situation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And from that point on, from that day on, it only got weirder from then on. What do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> some of the things that happened to us since, um, I was with... In, see, in 1994, particularly 1994, that was one of the year, years where Brisbane recorded its highest number of UFO sightings ever. It was like there was a UFO sighting. And you, anyone can Google this. You can do a trove search and you can type in UFO sightings Brisbane 1994. And you'll see like a sighting almost every week. There was a, In the paper, there was a report almost every week. Now... As the year went on, the sightings numbers were so high that some of them were fake. You know, the old um, fire starter with the garbage bag. Yeah, yeah, uh, like a trip. Chinese lantern type of thing. Yeah, yeah, people put that up and <clears throat> when it catches the wind and they put four or five of them, they tend to hold their position pretty well and move pretty quick. And then from a distance, you don't know what it is until you get close to it and you can see. And there was a lot of that going on, particularly towards the back end. Uh, but there was, there was some um, very, very big sightings and in that particular year uh, I was with a group of people a research group that I was just a member of we had a night watch out at Wyvernhoe Dam and we saw something and that became a bit of hunting ground for me it was also known for ball lightning and the Wyvernhoe Dam area back then was just known for a whole bunch of weird stuff and from give an example of the sort of the sort of weirdness that sort of went on from that point on for me, in terms of the experiences we had, um, there, there's really there's three that really sort of stand out that happened in the next few years after that. Um, one was I, I took a friend of mine who's now deceased out there. Um, we said after not long after the experience, we went out to Wyvernhoe Dam. I said, "You've got to come out with me one night," and I said, "I've got to take you to there and see. It. Let's see if we can see what we can see." You know, see if and this was only a couple of days after that event that happened the week before. And we're driving along in my car at that time. I had a a 1988 Nissan Bluebird TRX and a five-speed manual. And I'll, I'll tell you why that's important in a sec. Is we're coming along and we're coming, just coming up to. We just left uh, Fernvale and we're heading up towards the dam wall. And it was about one o'clock in the morning on a, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. And we saw these two lights uh, appear in the back of the back of the window. Now we're driving uh, north up on Fernvale Road towards Somerset. And this these lights got closer, but they they didn't they weren't like car lights. They were like illuminated lights. 
they if you like glowing from within not not like car lights where they shine a light out yeah not projecting type of lights that's right they were like it was self-illuminated inside yeah i know exactly what you mean and they were like um they weren't round either they were almost like egg shaped like and i look back in the mirror and i can see like these two egg shapes just glowing like a white hot brightness but not I mean, we can bright enough to see them, but not, they weren't projecting any light. And as I, we got this, this thing, so these things started getting closer. And my friend's looking at him. He's he's looking at him in the back, and he's going, "Holy crap! Look at this! This whatever what is this? Is it a motorbike? Is it a truck?" And I said, "Man, it's not a truck." And I said, "Look," I said, "It's not giving off any light." And this thing, they started pacing. It started getting closer to us. So I started kicking up through the gears. And that's why it's important to tell you I had a manual car, that, the one that went pretty quick at that time. Every time I increased the speed, it increased speed. And it kept closing on us. I took the car up to 186 kilometers an hour, and these things, and it's still gaining on us. And the next thing I know, the next thing I know is that these things are coming right up on us, and the next time I, I see, like, the cabin of the car fills with white, and the next thing I know, I wake up, and we're in the car, and we're on the other side of the road. You're kidding. No. You had a missing time experience. Well, we, we don't know how much time because we uh, we didn't pay attention to what the time was. I mean, we knew we had it out there about one, but I had no idea what time it was when we got there. But all I can tell you is that the car was parked on the other side of the road, so we're heading back the way we came on a hill and we were out both out cold we both had headaches like you wouldn't believe um we just thought what the hell happened we could not reconcile he said i said what do you remember reg and he's and he says well i just remember those the cabin filled with a white light and next thing i know we're we're in the car on the other side of the road that's terrifying yeah what do you think happened there do, do you think no, you're abducted? To be honest, what I learned, Kay, is that... Look, this was a long time ago, so I've had a long time to think about it. If you sit there... If you're an overthinker, if anyone's an overthinker out there, and you overthink it, whether it's you know, a personal thing, a work thing, whatever it is, you can do your head in with overthinking. And we had so much stuff going on in a short space of time, not only, not only just me. See, this is where I got my thing with, with, with the hours about, right, where I don't go out alone. I go out with at least one other person. And the reason we do that is for a witness. It's for someone to corroborate your story. Yeah, great idea. Right? So that's why I always went out there. But I'll tell you something. What happened two weeks after that is that a very close friend of mine who is still alive, who is an ex-police officer from your neck of the woods, he didn't believe, he, he, he was very, very skeptical. So him and his wife went out there with their little daughter in the back of the car for a drive one Sunday night, the following Sunday night. And they saw a ball, a purple ball, sitting above the trees, above the forest, with a light projecting down into the forest. They saw the light go back up into the craft, and then they just heard a crack, and then it was gone. Wow. What are the odds of that? Man, it was, like I said, this is, it wasn't just happening to me. This is what I'm saying. It was happening to people around me and people I met and people I knew. It was just like the whole 
city. There was stuff going on everywhere at that time. And there was, seemed to peak for whatever reason in 1994. But of course, I, I met people that um, are very, you know, just some of these experiences that I met, and they were genuine, genuine stories. Because when you look someone in the eye and you can see the terror in their face, you can see the goosebumps come up on their skin. I mean, I, I just, I just couldn't. I got to a point from in, in the uh, mid to late nineties, about ninety-seven. I just, I had to stop thinking about it because it was just doing my head in. It was if you try to make sense of what you see, and try to understand what you see, it'll just do your head in. Sometimes you just have to say, okay, that happened, and try to assimilate it into your brain slowly, bit by bit. Because we just had, as I said, we had so much other stuff going on with other people we know experiencing things. It was just mind-blowing. And that also led us to the first Yowie encounter in 94, out at, uh, at, uh, just south of, just sort of west of Rosewood, out near a place called Mount Walker. So you were so, out searching for UFOs and you ran into a Yowie? Yes, that's exactly what happened. Wow. <laughs> And we didn't expect to see them out there. We'd heard stories about them. We'd sort of heard the signs, the smells, and the screams. And the scream that we heard that night, because a year after that, I had experience, which people may have seen when I was on Finding Bigfoot, where I was sleeping in a car, and well, I got attacked by one in a car. And it, what, it's a what pretty well-known story. What do you mean you got attacked but, by it? Well, I thought you knew that story, because... A lot of people knew, know that story. Um, we were out there at this particular property and we had all of our telescopes and we are having a night watch, right? And I'm six foot four and I'm, a, and I'm a snorer. I always have been from when I was young. So they said to me, and we were at a property which is in the middle of this national park. It was a pastoral lease and a friend of us, ours was the caretaker who was in the house. And we went out there s- sky watching. And uh, he said, they said, that you snore, you're in the car. And it started raining. And I thought, it's 3.30 in the morning, and I was just along and sitting there, and then suddenly something came up, started grunting and growling, and started rocking the car. And next thing I know, I'm getting thrown around inside the car. I thought it was my friends. I'm kicking my window. I'm screaming at them, profanities everywhere. And then suddenly, <clears throat> I, see the light, I see a light come on. We had a, we used to be using these, uh, half a million or two million candle power handheld halogen spotties and next thing I know I see one of them turned on and being shine uh, around, shone, shone around and I just hear this thing roar and then uh, that's, you know, I'm giving you the short version here because we're short on time but I'm giving you the short version but um, well, my friends, they roars at my friends and my friends shoo this thing off with the, with the, with the, with the spotty and you know, in the morning uh, as dawn broke and the rain was there, I saw these two giant foot impressions and my roof of my car was bent in and I had a cut eye and I busted up my shoulder a bit because I'd been thrown around inside the back of that same car, that same Nissan Bluebird. Far out. That's incredible, mate, because... So th- this is what I've told you. I mean, like, I, for some reason, there are people that in this world, and I'm not the only one, there's, there's, there's th- hundreds of thousands, millions of people like this that just tend to attract this sort of stuff absolutely i agree with you with that a hundred percent 
and I haven't spoken about any of my UFO encounters for well over 20 years. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, Ray, I want to thank you for sharing those with me because those are incredible. I can't get over that that Yowie attack. That's uh, That would have been absolutely terrifying, mate. Uh, well, I, I just said for a long time, though, during during it, I thought it was my friends just having fun at my expense and just getting out there and rocking the car. But and, and but I knew when I heard just when I when the roof started to pop in, and then I heard this roar. Um, I uh, I didn't knew it wasn't my friends. Were you a uh, a Yowie believer before that? Well, I had, I had no opinion. Because we'd never encountered one before the 1994 incident. Um, pretty sure it was 94, 94 incident where we were out stargazing at this place, as I said, out near Mount Walker. And we had the telescopes out, and then we just, first of all, the wind caught up, and we, this smell, which was just this terrible smell. And then this God Earth, um, this God unearthly scream. And there was, there was four of us there around the car with our telescope. And we all looked at each other, and one of them said, could that be a Yowie? And I said, is that the sign? Like the smell on the screen? He goes, yes. And then another one, one of my friend's young son who was with us, who was about 12 at the time, little Stevie, he had the halogen spotty, and he said, what's that? And we saw these big eyes, about a, you know, 50 to 50 or so plus metres in the distance, in this field and they were weird because one minute they're red then they're green then they're yellow as you it was turning its head whatever it was to avoid the torch and then it stood up and then we, you know having knowing about lights in a distance or when you see eyes and things like that and then you see it move up you can quickly calculate how high this thing was and it was like seven eight foot tall and it started walking walking towards us so we just literally threw, we said, we're out of here. We just threw everything in the car and just bolted. I don't blame <laughs> you. Took, and then, and then, because oh, I was driving. And then like, we got about uh, four or five k's down the road and I said, we should go back and have a look. <laughs> and, and then they said, no, 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 just go, just go, just go. So we drove, we drove into uh, the nearest town, which I don't even remember where that was. And we got a coffee, and we all just sort of calmed down a bit. And I said, come on, let's go back for another look. So we drove back, and, uh, yeah, there, there was nothing there, but we weren't hanging around. Mate, that's incredible. Did the did the guys who had the uh, the spotlight, did they see this creature at all? I think little Stevie did, because he just, he just said, let's go, Dad, let's go. Because my other friend, Big Steve, who was his dad, uh, little Steve's going, Dad, let's go, 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 go, come on, Dad, we've got to go, got to go, got to go. And like kids would do, and then we're going, what? And then we just see these big eyes at this this height moving towards us from where we were standing. And, and was we that? said, no, we're, we're out of here, we're out of here. Just threw the computers, threw everything in, the the, the, the the telescopes, everything, just threw it in the boot, hopped in the car and just took off. And was like, that after this, this thing was shaking the car? No, this was a year before. Oh, okay. So, did any of the the guys see what was shaking your car when they came out with the with the spotlights? They said that if 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 at first they thought does that look like a bear? 
And of course, we don't have bears in this country, big, big bears like that. And they just they just said it was just the most ungodly thing they've seen. And they just said it had to be Yowie. It's the only thing it could be. Wow. And the one who was uh, most shaken about, the one who saw it, was a guy called Carl. And because Carl lived there, and he goes, I've lived here for 12 months, and I've never, ever, ever, ever seen that. And then, I kid you not, a month later, Carl moved out. Because I just didn't think he wanted to hang around there anymore. I mean, we never went back. I mean, I, I know exactly, I remember exactly where it was. But I've never been back there ever since. And that was, what, 95. That's incredible. It's... I. It seems like you're almost a beacon for this type of activity. And, you know, like we were saying before, some people, I think some people are selected for this type of life. Well, I I call them magnets, you know, and whether it be this or these sort of physical encounters or experiences or whether they be psychic encounters or whether they be spiritual or even possibly maybe demonic encounters. But for some reason, there's lots and lots of lots of people. And as I said, I'm on a... I'm only one person. There's millions of people that that continually have these experiences, and there are there's, there's you know in in the, in the area I know of in Brisbane, there's, I know at least twenty people like that that just continually have these experiences. Some people only have I've met have only ever had the one experience. Others have continually had them on a daily basis, or you know, sorry, at least a weekly basis. This this is what I mean. This is what I mean. Like I said before, Kate. If, if people really knew what really goes on in the real world, I don't think anyone would ever leave their house, let alone it. That, that's if they believed it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, I think a lot of people do believe this type of stuff. They just don't really lend into it. I mean, you can only go on what you see. And there was an interesting, um, uh, I can't remember if it was an article I was reading recently, where uh, actually, I think it was a podcast I was listening to on Coast to Coast, I think. And I had a psychologist, and he was talking about that, for example, I think it was a psychologist, and what they were talking about is how people perceive what they what they see and what their brain tells them could be something completely different. So, for example, if they were to say, saw a UFO, right, that their subconscious brain can't physically process seeing a UFO, so they may are convinced they saw a plane instead. So somehow the brain protects the person by commuting the experience into something that they actually can process 100 percent. i actually encountered this only recently recently with my wife um i was out in the backyard and i saw a genuine ufo over the horizon and it was doing these movements that no plane could do and i called my wife out because i was like surely i am not seeing what i'm seeing right now because it, it just kind of fits my paradigm way too well so i had to get someone else to kind of vindicate what i was seeing and she she saw exactly the same thing that i saw and in her mind that's 100 percent a drone that you're looking at and there's nothing that you can say is going to change my mind on that exactly exactly i mean some people i've known who i've been with have seen a yowie and then the next day they go no we never saw anything or no we saw a kangaroo and they saw it point blank like clear clear as day there's no just you know, it was daytime. There's no issue about what they saw, but their brain has said, "No, it's a kangaroo," or "No, it's we saw nothing." It's just how the brain copes as a mechanism, and how you assimilate the experience into your into your knowledge and into your brain. 
and it's a, and for a lot of people it's a big struggle absolutely it is and i hear it all the time with guests on our podcast here they they'll share their experience with someone and they just flat out refuse to acknowledge it or believe it <sighs> exactly and i think that's been one big thing with experiences that's been misunderstood for such a long time is that um we, we always assume people don't want to talk about their experiences because they're fear, for fear of ridicule. And, and certainly that's part of it. But the, the real big thing is, I think a lot of it, is that I think they don't even believe what they actually saw. And like I said to you at the start of this, I consistently, when I've had experiences and I think back about them, I actually have to pinch myself to, to, to remind myself that actually did occur. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're spot on there. It's... Uh... It's some of these things, they're just not supposed to exist. And when you see them, the whole world changes after that. Well, I think the whole world is changing. And I think the whole world's going to change a lot more in the next few years. No, I don't mean just because of COVID. I mean, because of what's happening in the UFO field with the, with the soft disclosure that's going on. Um, when the, when the, when the U S Pentagon actually comes out and says, yes, we've got craft that's not from this world. That wasn't made here. I think that's going to change everyone's attitudes very quickly, and and uh, that time's coming very, very soon. Yeah, I agree with you there, Ray. I think you, I think you're spot on there. I think we're we're only a few short years away from on from full disclosure, and that's that's just in the UFO field. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more disclosure in the in in other fields, uh, let alone the. The Yowie field, the Bigfoot field, the paranormal field. I think we're gonna we're gonna be living in a very very open and crazy world very shortly. Oh, most definitely. And the things that are coming down the pipeline. Uh, if, as I said, if you've been involved or in these experiences or in this field for for such a long time, for a long time, and you've seen how it's developed over the decades, and you you know you just feel you can feel it's something's coming. That's right. And, and, and I just hope we're ready for it. Yeah, I hope we are too, Ray. It's uh, it's something that I think is going to really rock a lot of people's worlds. And, um, you know, some people will be ready and some people won't. It's just, that's just how it's going to go, I think. And it's going to challenge everyone's beliefs and ideals and perceptions. That's for sure. For sure, for sure. Well, Ray, mate, I think I'm going to have to get you on again to... to chat about yowies with you mate because we didn't really get to touch on that and i know that's something that we wanted to so mate i'm putting a, an invite there for you if you want to come back on and talk about yowies it's uh the offer's always there sure anytime kate it's not a not a problem as long as we can make the stars line up as you as you said absolutely mate and before i let you go you do have a podcast of your own so do you want to share that with the listeners oh thank you very much kate yes it's cryptocast uh, mystery uh, cryptocast australia Mystery Radio on YouTube and Facebook as when wherever you get your good pod, wherever you get your podcasts, also iTunes, Spotify. We have two podcasts. We have uh, Cryptocast Tales from the Past, where we where I read and, and discuss stories from the newspapers of yesteryear, whether they be uh, the first. Uh, I think the first five episodes are, are all Yali, and then of course we've done a Bunyip special, and we've just recently brought out a UFO special. And, of course, in interviews with some of the world's best cryptozoologists with uh, uh, people like Gary Opert, Buck Buckingham, uh, Cliff Barrickman, and, and Bobo, of course, people from Finding Bigfoot, plus a lot more to come. So, well, so, it's, so it's only been around for a few months, and uh, we're growing, so I appreciate you 
giving me the opportunity to give it a plug. Absolutely, mate. I think you do a really fantastic job. So anyone who listens to this, definitely head over there, check out Ray's podcast. He does a really, really good job. So, and I tell you what, I am secretly jealous of some of the guests that you've had on that show already. I'm thinking, oh, how did this guy get them? <laughs> so, well, I would have loved to have talked to Moorhead. I'm pretty jealous about that too. So, <laughs> you know, Ron Moorhead, I would have lo- I, I said to you, I've listened to your interviews with him and they were excellent interviews and, and he just has so much information over such a, you know, like nearly a 50-year career, uh, you know, from the Sierra Sounds to now. And, you know, these are these are things, people that are iconic in the field and, uh, you know, to get to speak to someone like Ron Moorhead, it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, it was certainly a treat. He's a he's a very lovely gentleman. And um, look, Ray, what I'll do is I'll also include all the links to your your podcast in the show notes for this episode, so people don't really have to go too far to find it. Well, thank you, Kate. I really really appreciate that, mate. That's uh, very kind of you. So thank you very much. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.